So, uh, well done everyone. I'm aware of the time and uh, I'm going to take up some more of your time. Sorry about that. Uh, but we're going to talk about wisdom and looking at this series, growing older and wiser. Um, interesting that we often put those two so closely together. And we look at, as Julian mentioned earlier, we look at our system, our society at the moment. And a lot of uh, those people we look up to as older and wiser um, are struggling to kind of live up to it. It's tough times. And I bet you're looking at me now thinking, 33-year-old Jay is about to talk to us about wisdom. Um, and obviously he's going to talk about his vast wisdom from all of the podcasts he listens to. And uh, his, uh, un, yeah, his addiction to Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Don't, don't judge me on that program. There are some great pithy sayings in there. I love it. I've, I've honestly binge-watched that program and I've become so wise. Uh, <laughs> But we all love a bit of a pithy saying, don't we? We all love a bit of a wise old saying. You know, don't, uh, what's the, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Mm. Do you ever told that to a baby? Do you think they, <laughs> think they listen? <laughs> uh, too many cooks spoil the broth. That's what I keep saying to Laura. <laughs> so I try and avoid the kitchen. <laughs> it's my excuse, I'm just rubbish at cooking. Some of them are really good though, aren't they? Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. We don't quite like that one as much. <coughs> or the ones that you have to say in an American accent. You can lead a horse to water. This isn't an American accent. That was terrible. But you can't make it drink. Better is a little righteousness than great revenues with injustice. We don't quite like that one either. We often... Uh, cut out the bits of the Bible that talk about wealth and how uh, sometimes it isn't always a good thing for us. No man is an island, quickly moves on. Do not throw pearls to pigs. A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Have you tried turning it off and turning it back on again? <laughs> Age is just a number. Until you hit 100, and then you get grade 2 listed status. <laughs> I'm sure I'm going to offend um, my older friends here, and I am sorry, but I'm also not sorry. I wonder how many times that you may have thought, or we think, that age is one and the same. Age and wisdom, same thing. I wonder how many times you think that you're wise simply because you've lived a bit longer. This view isn't, isn't new. James was speaking to a, a church in a culture that had that same mentality. Children, they didn't count. They were just not quite yet people. They also thought that about women, but, you know, they were a bit silly those days. Can you imagine that that's not really changed still? That video is a good example at the start of the service. Children don't quite count, or we feel a little bit intimidated when we start giving them a bit of space, or a bit of autonomy, or a bit of a voice. We get a little bit scared, because they say things we're not used to. 
or they, they live in a world that we're not used to and we get intimidated and so we, we oppress the voice of the young. What was James's words to that church are still true to us today. Older does not mean wiser, I'm sorry. I know people, as a youth worker, when young people looked at me and, and they'd think that, you know, I'd have answers, and I didn't. Yes, I was older. Yes, I've lived longer. But I didn't mean that I was, by default, wiser. I still made silly mistakes. I still make silly mistakes that you think an adult shouldn't do, a grown-up shouldn't do. They're not the same. It's funny with our church services, if we look at them and we look at our culture in church, we have infighting, culture wars. Our systems, our services are shaped on those things rather than godly character and seeking God's will for those people he sent us to reach. Now, of course, when I talk about wisdom, and when I talk about the roles of the old and the young, you don't go looking for a mentor in a nursery. You don't go to toddler group to find a financial advisor. I get that. You don't learn to drive from a seven-year-old. Maybe a seven-year-old who's lived on a farm, because actually they probably do know how to drive. But <laughs> generally speaking, it's not a rule of thumb, is it? And we have to be honest, though. Do we really believe that wisdom comes of age? I bet if we're honest and we think about some of the people we know of our peers, my age, your age, people older than us, maybe your parents, maybe um, you can remember those times where all of a sudden you realised your parents didn't quite get it and you knew they were your parents so you wouldn't say anything but you could just see the car crash coming or you hear views and you think, where is that logic from? And you find yourself in this difficult position where maybe they're not quite got the wisdom right now. It's hard, and I, I, I say this hesitantly because I, I know how a lot of you will be thinking about this. But let me just be honest, if we look at scripture, wisdom and age are not the same thing. Because if that was true, isn't it fascinating that Jesus' public ministry started when he was 30 years old. 30 years old. Isn't it odd that he sent out young recruits to work out what God was doing? He sent them on mission before they'd learned all the answers, before they'd lived their life. He sent them to places they'd never been before to see what God was doing and to play. Isn't it interesting that... Um, some of the greatest names that we love in the Bible were young when they started out, young when they had an impact. Joseph, Daniel. I didn't realize this, but Daniel would have been under 20. That's fascinating, considering his boldness right at the start. <laughs> Samuel, little boy. Eli, what was he doing? <laughs> David, Solomon. He had his moments, though. We all know that. <laughs> Jeremiah, Naaman's servant girl. We often forget her, unless you've got kids and then you've read the, the story a million times. Mary, she would have been young. She was chosen to carry the Messiah. 
And you see her wisdom in her response to Gabriel. The boy with the lunchbox. Have you ever thought about his wisdom in that story? The disciples were trying to be logical about it, earthly about it. Well, we've only got this stuff, you know. Uh, I don't know how we're going to feed all these people, Jesus. I mean, look at, look at, look at the figures. This little boy goes, well, I've got some lunch. <laughs> You're Jesus, right? <laughs> Here you go. That's some godly wisdom there. We go, foolishness. Is it godly wisdom? And, we, and I said that Jesus started at 30, but we also forget that he was a 12-year-old boy teaching Pharisees what the, what the scriptures said. We forget that bit. Relatively short list. But they all, dist- they all demonstrate that this idea that they had wisdom beyond their years kind of doesn't make sense. They teach us that wisdom is something more about something that God gives to people. And it's not about age all the time. Age, of course, you get older, you learn things. But when we talk about two wisdoms in a minute, I want to make a, a distinction between them. The wisdom they showed was, was based in a faith in who God is and in the God who gives wisdom. I've got a great story. I was thinking of, um, is it Gretna? Is that her name? I'm going to get it wrong now. What's the, the young girl who just uh, sailed across to America? Greta, Greta, thank you. Not Gretna, that's a place, isn't it? Gretna Green. Uh, Greta, who is very green orientated, is a great example. That was terrible, sorry. Is a, is, a, is a great example of a contemporary young person who's gone, this doesn't line up. The world is not working in a logical way. And, um, and do you know what? How, how has the world treated her? The, the papers criticize her facial expressions. And, and then it turns out she's got Asperger's. Adults made fun of her. But this young girl got it. She's made some logical god. I, I doubt she's a Christian, to be honest, with, um, if she doesn't talk about it at least. But she's got some wisdom that kind of seems to kind of counterproduct earthly logic. Um, and I've got a friend called, because, um, uh, you know, as a friend, I'll make up her name. So my friend, her name's Alan. And, um, <laughs> and Alan, uh, she is one of the most amazing people that I know. And she was one of my young people, so that might be part of the reason I've got a bit of a soft spot for her. But she uh, recently did a parachute jump. And I don't know, have you done a, who's jumped out of a plane? Okay, you're all mad. Um, <laughs> 10,000 feet, does that probably sound about right? Yeah, why? Why? We invented planes for a reason. Um, anyway, she jumped out of a plane, strapped to this bloke, um, so Alan and probably Alan, and um, she, uh, she, she, she told me, she ran me through, I don't like heights, she, she ran me through the experience, and she was saying it's like amazing. I felt sick. I was dizzy. You know, I was spinning out of control. I was going so fast. It was awesome. And they're like, oh, screw loose. Um, and then she said, and then the parachute opened and it like everything stopped and it was really slow and calm and peaceful. And I realised I've got a while before I hit the ground. 
I'm strapped to some guy I don't know. She turns to him, she says, uh, so uh, what do you think about Jesus? <laughs> That's some godly wisdom, right? Right. He ain't got anywhere to go. <laughs> That's that, that, the Jehovah's Witnesses could learn a few things from her. So what do you, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> well, what do you think about him, you know? <laughs> I just thought, brilliant, brilliant godly wisdom going on there. But, but also, that is a little bit of a funny one, but she's also, she's got some serious godly wisdom in her young bones. Her family is quite difficult, Alan's family, and um, actually her mum and dad split. That's a bit of a horrible story. The dad left with someone else, and she had two siblings, and basically train wrecked their family. Uh, ended up marrying the other person, and um, and then a few years later, uh, the family, this family struggled, um, Alan's family struggled, made, uh, made work, obviously did not want to know. There's a lot of hurt, as you can imagine. Um, but then they decided they were going to have some more kids. Um, and so they, these two twins were born. These twins were born, there was not four, it was two. And, um, and I remember like, listening to the mum Alan's mum speak and listen to Alan's uh, brother and sister talk about it and there was a lot of hurt and a lot of they're not interested in us we're not going to be interested in them and you know she looked at me and, and she said whether I feel okay about it or not they're my brother and my sister and I'm going to be in their life she's carrying all this pain but her wisdom Godly wisdom. Her self-preservation should have said, cut the tie, stay well clear. Godly wisdom said, these little kids need someone that loves them, needs to know that their sister's there. I was amazed by her. See, she's a good example of godly wisdom, but there are two kinds of wisdom. James actually later on tells us about them. I'm just going to quickly read, read it to you. He says... Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, you do not and do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly and spiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So the, Alan nearly gave away her name. And my other examples carried the latter of those, of those wisdoms. There's earthly wisdom, people, and there's godly wisdom. And there's a load of earthly wisdom in this room right now. There's a load of earthly wisdom in our country. There's a load of earthly wisdom on our planet. But we are told by James to seek godly wisdom. 
It may sound a bit obvious, but there is a big difference. James speaks harshly of worldly wisdom, earthly and spiritual. even uses the word of the devil, demonic. I wonder if you feel like that when you're doing your finances, <laughs> or you're planning your holiday, or you're choosing what, what, you know, where you go to shop. It feels a bit harsh, doesn't it? Like, I'm just, you know, I'm being reasonable, I'm being logical, being rational. But James has no time for this. It's crazy. He says, basically, it's selfish desire-based. It's a desire to be someone. We use earthly wisdom, and when we're using it often, it's to feed our envy of others. It's to get one up on people. It's to put ourselves above others. It's to secure ourselves. Worldly wisdom has at its core our self-preservation, our my-centered benefits, our making a name for ourselves, creating a legacy, gaining power and influence, becoming completely independent of others. I wonder if you're honest, actually, and you make decisions. I wonder what the reason is. We see it a lot right now in our culture, and the fruit's even more evident. Division, insecurity, inequality, poverty. The fact that we can have in our country powerful people and powerless people in a free country. Clans, cliques, earthly wisdom's fruit may be good for you on earth, but it always damages other people. And there's no place for it in heaven. Godly wisdom, however, is reflected not in power or the influence one has, or in the successful life now, and there's nothing wrong with having a successful life. But it is reflected in a faith-filled life that shapes the way we live. A life of faith grounded in God's character, choosing to believe and not doubt. Believe and not doubt that God is faithful. And living out that, that reality, living out that reasoning, making your decisions based on that truth, even when it's costly, even in times of persecution and trial. We see this wisdom in the apostles. We see it in those Christians throughout history and today who choose the way of Christ, of integrity, humility, mercy, peace, choosing overworldly gain, choosing others, putting themselves down, building others up. Seeing the prosperity of ourselves as second to the blessing of others. I know it sounds obvious, but godly wisdom is the kind of wisdom we should be interested in developing in our lives. It is a wisdom that's not exclusively proved in years, nor is it in clever sayings. It's founded and rooted in trusting in our loving God who desires us to have it. See, earthly wisdom is there. We can get earthly wisdom. We can become wise people on the planet. But we are called to be godly wisdom people. And there is crossover. Please don't get confused here. I'm not saying that like the logic of running in front of a car is a bad idea, is earthly wisdom. I'm not saying that. I would probably think that was godly wisdom. But 
I am saying that we do make choices, which we, if we're honest, and we've built our wisdom up, and if we're honest, it's built on earthly wisdom. It's built on the here and the now and not the kingdom. And I know that's uncomfortable to hear, and I was really nervous about doing this preach. Because what I love about James and what I hate about James is a book that's very happy to punch you in the gut. It's beautifully crafted, no messing. This is the facts. And it's in our holy book. Martin Luther didn't like it very much, but that was to do with something about faith in deeds. But um, it's in our holy book. These words are not to be ignored. We are to take it seriously. We are earthly wisdom people. We live in an earthly wisdom world, but we are called to be godly wisdom people. And do you know why God desires us to have it? Because it is good for us. He desires us to have it because we need it. Because through godly wisdom, that's how we mature and grow which is our topic for this season. We will mature and grow in godly wisdom. And that's what we need, because we are called to be Christ-like. And if you were to look at our Messiah, our Saviour, he took down an empire. Did he do it with earthly wisdom? No. He took it on himself. He took on an empire by getting beat up. He took on power by becoming powerless. We need to remember the core message of the gospel. We are meant to be godly wise. Someone in the the congregation right now is thinking, something about shrewd as vipers and and innocent as doves. Yeah, sure. I'm not going to ignore those bits that, you know, show that we need to have a little bit of earthly wisdom. But I'm asking about our core. Where is our core? What wisdom are we living on? Because the godly wise Christians are the ones that will bring the kingdom here. The godly wise Christians are the ones that will see transformation, renewal on earth. Okay, Jay, great. Feeling guilty, feeling heavy now. Thanks a lot. So how do we get this godly wisdom? That this maturing and growing wisdom that God has for us, that we're meant to have, for us to be the us that he wants us to be. I love James here. He says, ask God. <laughs> ask God. Believe and don't doubt. Thanks, James. Thanks, James. I didn't think of talking to God about it. I didn't think about praying. Uh, And I didn't think about the consequences of what he's saying. I'm not allowed to doubt anymore, apparently. I don't think that's what James means. I don't think we're not meant to doubt anymore. Doubt is human. Doubt is actually quite healthy. Doubt is how we know whether we are doing godly stuff or doing earthly stuff. Doubt is that seed that we grapple and wrestle with. But James gives us this example, doesn't he? He says this double-minded person. It's like a wave in the sea, passive, directed by the wind, going with the flow, or like the chaff in Psalm 1. 
has no ground in and therefore it gets blown away. Or like the seed in Jesus' parable that is not deeply rooted and gets snatched up. This person James uses as example is someone who has sat on the fence, trying to play the world's game and the kingdom's way. They may dip their toe in, but they are yet to jump in. To jump, into the, jump in in faith that God is who he says he is. Even when life makes that hard to see. Yes, this sounds like a big ask, but remember, James wrote this challenge to a persecuted church who was suffering with worldly wisdom, the Jew-Gentile thing. Who are we? He wrote this not long after this. He was martyred by the Jews. He knew the cost of choosing godly wisdom over worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom says, play it safe, make some friends, get yourself secure. James refused that. He wrote bluntly to his church, to the church, you need godly wisdom. He knew what he was asking of us. And so yes, this message ends with a ridiculous challenge. Will you take James at his word? Will you choose to be matured in godly wisdom, even when it's costly? Both feet in. Even though life right now may be hard, choosing faith over letting the waves bash you about. Will you ask God for the wisdom he has for you? And will you listen to the spirit God has placed in you? which is maturing and growing you into a kingdom person who, through God, will redeem this world.